Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Extremely Awesome Podcast. I'm your host Matt and like Thunder is not with me today but I do have somebody with me. I'm not alone today. You might know him in Kansas City. He has uh, covered the Royals and the Chiefs as well as like NBA of uh, the Kings. You may know him in Dallas, like for his uh, Dallas Morning News. Uh, you also may know him as a recipient of uh, Dick McCann, but I just I know him uh, strictly as uh, my uncle. Of course, I'm talking about Rick Goslin. How are you doing, Uncle Rick? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for like coming on the podcast. I'm I appreciate of your time. My pleasure. All right, um, so, like, one, the first question I got to ask is, what made you want to get into, like, sports writing? What, like, was there, like, one particular moment saying, you know what, this is what I was meant to do, or, what made, what made you want to do that? It's going way back. I was, I knew in third grade I was going to be a sports writer. I always liked writing. And I was made little books when I was growing up, and uh, and I love sports. Uh, my my father was a big sports fan, big fan of the Detroit teams, and uh, we, we kind of picked my brother Tom and I kind of picked that up for my dad. So I knew I was going to have uh, I was going to play sports. I was going to do something involved in sports, and I loved writing. So just a natural marriage between writing and, and, and sports, a passion. Oh, awesome, awesome. Now. Um... Another question I, I have is, is that more often than not, that you're, like, that, that you were, like, pretty spot on, like, with your predictions of, um, when it comes, like, to draft or any of that stuff, um, what, like, what's that, the words I'm looking for here, what was the, like, you know that they uh, like the see like secret like what like what did you do differently than what uh, mo- what other people like do? What like what, is there anything that you could share, or is it like I tell you like I could tell you, but I would have to kill you type of deal? No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very simple. I, I I I'm not a scout. I'm a writer, and I didn't watch any tape, so I talked to the people that did watch tape. And I built a network over the years. I did the draft for 20 years. I built a network over the years of over 100 people that I talked to. Um, scouts, wow. personnel directors, assistant coaches, head coaches, general managers, owners, some agents, some college coaches. And I would take their opinions of players and build my draft boards and, and build my, my mock draft based on what they were telling me. I, I never pretended to be an expert, but I talked to a lot of experts. And they, oh, okay. They, they helped me establish the, the proper pecking order. I had one general manager told me they considered me the 33rd team because I was the one consensus draft board because I was probably the only guy in the country that was talking to all 32 of the teams. And that's why the information was so accurate. It's nothing I did. It's what people told me and kind of putting everything in order based on their opinions. Oh, okay. They, and, and, that may, and that makes sense. Um like you, you basically went around gather like the the knowledge yeah. and and Being stuff. Reporter. Like, Being and and that's a very hard like hard thing to find uh, these days because there's so many um people that 
not to like, really get into politics, but there's like too many people out there these days that claim to be journalists, but they're not. They're they're like they're more, like they're more like would be better suited as an opinion host than uh, like journalists these days. So it's so hard to find like good, true, real journalism yeah, today. The, the industry's changed. You know, in newspapers, when you had a story, you had to get it confirmed by generally two people before you ran with it. And now that's it, more of a instant gratification. You 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 get a story, you you put it on Twitter. It may be right, it may be wrong, but it's on Twitter because you want to be first with it. And back then, it was more important to be right than to be first. So a lot yeah. of times you hold on to something to make sure what you're reporting is right. That's why there are so many inaccuracies being reported today because people run to the to, to Twitter or to the social media to post it before they're even sure if it's right or not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really sad. I mean, I'm one of those people that that um, I try to, before I uh, formulate an opinion, I try to gather up like, the knowledge as much as I can to really like dig like deep into it. Um, and that's what I did during the draft. I had educated opinion. I had people telling me what they thought, people that were actually drafting the players telling me what they thought. So the opinions I drew from the draft material was educated opinions from the people that actually held the fate of these players in their hands. Oh, awesome. I mean, one thing that I, that I don't like is I don't like half stories, like where there's like people that in, intentionally withheld like key information or they show you what you want, like what they want you to see instead of showing you the whole picture. Yes, spin. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. Um, but so that journalists are supposed to be objective. We're supposed to be able to look at both sides. Yeah. And, and report down the middle. But now, so much reporting now is one-sided. It's it's what your beliefs influence what you write and what you say, and that's not the way journalism was meant to be. It's, it wasn't supposed to be a partisan venture. It's supposed to be a non-partisan venture. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be like a big. Uh... A big checks and balance, like with um, politicians and and all that stuff, and and um, and it's even said in the Constitution that you know they they give them that that protection, but a lot of them don't exercise it these days. It's really sad, but um, like getting off of that, um, so like tell like the listeners like those who don't know like what is the bill like. Uh, memorial award or in your case the dick uh, mccann memorial award because i think that changed it's it's an annual award given out to one person for um long-standing contributions to the 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 coverage of professional football and there's there's a there's a broadcaster award there's a writer award and some of the legends of the business um the the red smiths and the dave andersons and you know jerry green from detroit People that I looked up to, I, I, you know, was reading, have won this award, and it just to acknowledge that, you know, what you've done over your career has been really beneficial um, to football and, and to yourself. It's it's quite an honor. It's quite an honor. I mean, uh, you got like you like here's like on Wikipedia, some of the names that um, are are with um, that you're with um, 
like I mentioned. Uh, Paul Zimmerman from Sports Illustrated. Uh, Bill Wallace. Uh, Cooper Lyrolo. Larry uh, Belser. Like Hugh Brown. Norm Miller. I mean, the list goes on. Um, I, I knew a lot of these people. I was on the, I'm on the Hall of Fame selection committee. And my first year on the committee was 1989. And I was on the committee with many of those people, the Norm Millers and the Paul Zimmermans and the Cooper Wallows. That was, uh, that, was a, that was a Hall of Fame type rule. I mean, that's, uh, that's a quite, like quite a list of uh, a, a company to keep. Sure. So, like, I mean... Like, have you ever thought that you like, that you might have uh, been like considered by many of like one of the greats to be like mentioned in the same breath of like some of these uh, like, people that I mentioned? Or? Well, that's not the intention of why I got into the business. I wanted to have a, a voice that mattered, and in, in in what I wrote, you know, people paid attention to. Mm -hmm. I think I succeeded in doing that with the draft, and I've got. Um, some annual special teams rankings that I've been doing since 1985 that are kind of like the gold standard for um, special teams in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to do the best the best I could. Whenever I wrote a story, I wanted the person at some point during that story to say, hmm, I didn't know that. So I wanted to educate as best I could mm -hmm. and to entertain as best I could. But uh, yeah, the, the goal was to it, my, my goal, the focus point was always the reader. It was never yeah. me. And I yeah. wanted to make sure that the readers were, were getting what they were paying for. And it was not about me or my ego. It was yeah. the uh, readers. And that's what, that's what a, a lot of people loved about you. Um, before I, I continue on with the podcast and uh, we like, like I get into a uh, like personal story... Um, I'm going to get into a sponsor here real quick. Carefree Merch. If you haven't heard of them, you soon will. I wear them. They are super soft, super comfortable. I got They got hoodies, t-shirts for outdoor lovers to patriotic tees. With a lot of products that are in the works. One of their most popular sellers is uh, pillowcases. People are just going nuts over that. So, if you like small businesses as well as support America, check them out. All their products are made in the USA. Their, like, their, um, their website is carefreemerch.myshopify.com. Carefree Merch, M-E-R-C-H, dot myshopify.com. Thank you, Carefree Merch, for sponsoring the podcast. So... One like, thing that I like that I heard a lot is that you had like you had like an excellent reputation, you know, in in like the in the industry. You never like really asked like for any autographs. A lot of people would uh, pass that, like you know, like wouldn't pass that up. I mean, probably myself included. Not going to lie, especially around like hockey players. Um, I remember in high school. That I had a teacher, um, Mr. Tack, that loved that Tony Dungy. And you should have seen the look on his face when I gave him, like, the book. I mean, the guy, shoot, probably at the time was, like, maybe 60, 70 years old. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly how old he was. 
But when I gave him that book, he was acting like a five-year-old on Christmas morning. He was showing everybody the book. He was so happy. And, and um, yeah, you, you, did, you had that reputation of, you know, just doing your work. You didn't really ask for a lot of autographs. And that's like, that's pretty hard to do when like, you're around like these type of people. Like I don't think I would be able to like pass some of those up, especially yeah. like people like Chris Osgood and. I I I was never an autograph guy. Um, it didn't a signature didn't mean much to me. And I, you know, once you once you start asking for an autograph in a locker room, you're compromising yourself. You're, you're putting that person on a pedestal. And you're saying I want something that you have. Mm-hmm. I never, I never did that. I, I, I was a professional as a writer. He was a professional as a player, and it, I would never compromise my equal standing in the relationship. If I'm starting asking for autographs, he, he knows he's doing me a favor. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to feel that they're doing me a favor. Just, I've got questions. I appreciate if you answer them. You know, you know, strings attached. So, yeah, I've never, I've never asked for autographs. It's never been important to me to have autographs. Um, it just it was it just never never crossed my mind to even ask anybody for an autograph. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember that um, my mom was telling me that that uh, when when you ask um, like Tony Dungy for like for my teacher and and he's like you know what for you like for you Rick like no problem because like he because he knew like like what kind of person you were. I got a lot of friends in the industry. My my last year in Kansas City, I was Marty Schottenheimer's first year there, and some of the coaches on the staff that I got to know well were Tony Dungy, Bill Collar, and Bruce Arians, who all went on to win Super Bowls uh, as head coaches. And I have maintained those relationships to this day, and that's what, 20, 20 some years ago. But I've, I've, I cultivate relationships, and, you know, I, I build, a, I find a common ground, I know was one assistant coach in the Cowboys, and my common ground was hockey. He loved hockey, and we, we talk hockey. We didn't have to talk football. He's a football coach. I'm a football winner, but we're talking hockey. You're just develop, developing a relationship and a, and a common ground with, with that particular source. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, you, you, the, the key to the to, to everything about journalism is relationships you, you build and, and trust that you have. You know, the most important thing you have in this industry is your good name. You never want to abuse that. You never want to take advantage of people. And I think I succeeded in doing that. Well, not like not uh, not just like in in like journalism, but like but you know just like as a man and like in general. I mean, he, like for like what I always like, like was brought up uh, like by is as a man at the end of the day, all you have is like your word and and your credibility, and it's up to you to like. To, Determine like how much that it's worth. Yeah, the integrity is, is paramount in, in any walk of life. You know, you want people to, to know, to look at you and respect you and, and, and trust you. You don't want people thinking, oh, he's a, he's a sneaky guy. Yeah. You, know, you, want, you want people to respect you and the job that you do. And once you compromise that, you compromise yourself as a journalist. Oh, you absolutely. Any walk of life All right. Oh, yeah, like for sure. I mean, like one thing that 
uh, I mean, at least like, for me, like I, I hope that like, this is the case that, that um, like that. All I ask is like for like for people is that like you show me like the proper amount of respect, and I'll show you like the like you know the same in in return. And I think that's like why that I get, I get along like with most people. Not everybody. You can't get along with everybody, but and most people treat, I get along with. Treat everybody the way you'd like to be treated. Yeah, it's and it it's it's really not. And but like for some like for some people, it makes it harder to, like to do that than others. Like the like, but so. Last thing I got uh, for um, like football is that this year the Kansas City Chiefs they won the Super Bowl against the 49ers like uh, 25 to 22. One of the questions I had is like who like did you root for? Which I absolutely know like it's going to be the Chiefs because you covered them. I'm sure. Well, I don't necessarily. I've, I've been doing this for five decades, and I've been doing it in four towns, and I've got friends on all these teams. I don't necessarily cheer for anybody. Uh, I like it when friends of mine succeed, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't really cheer for anybody at this point. You know, I'm, I'm from Detroit. Yeah. I'm not really. You know, I, I'm I'm fond of the teams I grew up with. I was a fan when I was younger, but since then I've I've been three other towns and had, you know, a whole slew of other teams that I've gotten to know. So, yeah, it was, I enjoyed seeing the Chiefs win um, because I know know a lot of people there. Yeah. But, uh, I don't necessarily consider myself a cheerleader for any team. Fair, like, fair enough. Um, I, th- I thought the better team won. Yeah. I said that in a couple podcasts leading up to the game. I thought one team had the better coach, the better quarterback, and the better defense. And the other team was the 49ers. And I thought coach, quarterback, <laughs> and defense is a pretty good combination this time of year. And I thought the Chiefs would win for that reason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a, I mean, it sounded like a very close game. Like they won in overtime. And and I like uh, games that is like very close. I don't like uh, like where like there's like a clear cut like blowout winner. And, you know, I mean. It it makes it like more of a, a exciting game yeah, for no everybody. One, no one likes to blow. I I want a competitive game. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some people are saying, well, the game was you know started out poorly. I I loved it. I I, I really like watching great defense. And both those teams had top ten defenses and were playing great defense. And you know, it's not about offense. I don't like a, a forty five to forty one game. I'd rather see a, a good competitive twenty four twenty game. Yeah. Than, uh, than just an offensive explosion. And I really, I really enjoyed watching the defense in that game. Two great defense, two great defensive coaches mm-hmm. doing their best against top-flight offenses. I, I really enjoyed the whole game and the, the drama at the end, and the Chiefs coming back, and then you know winning overtime. That that added to the to the flavor of the game. Yeah. Um, now, what like what uh, is your take on on like the Taylor Swift? Uh, like you know, with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, a lot of people I think that it's like too like showing her like too much and the uh, take away like from like football. But what's well, your take is, on it is on what that? It is. Um, the the fact that the fact of the matter is m- more people were watching the NFL because of Taylor Swift. 
and they had sure. the Super Bowl audience was a record. The most people had ever watched the Super Bowl. Now, I'm told that Taylor Swift was on the screen for 55, 55 seconds out of a four-hour game. That's not much, but mm, it was enough, really not. But it was enough to tease the the, the, the Swifties that were watching. Uh, I don't really have a problem with it. You know, during the course of the game, you know, I've, I've been in Dallas for the last you know three decades, mm -hmm. and you see Jerry Jones up on the screen. You know, mm -hmm. during the course of games, they're always flashed to him in his box. And this, in, in this case, they're flashed at Taylor Swift. You know, they like yeah. getting people that aren't involved in the game. You know, the the, the, the photos from the booths and such. So, it, it is what it is. It did, it didn't really bother me. I, I didn't I didn't get upset like some people did about it because. Said you only saw it for less than a minute of a four-hour game, so they, I was watching they, game. I wasn't watching Taylor Swift. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, that, that's like good to hear because I'm not like big into football. I don't really follow it, and like some people are acting like that they were showing her like for like a half an hour of the game for like half the game, right? But that's not surprising that like people like sometimes like blow things way out of proportion. Just people are going to find people are going to come up with negative things. That's it's, it's a shame that society's turned that direction. That you yeah. find out more negative than positive things, and that just people perceive that as a negative thing. And it didn't it didn't really bother me that she was on the screen. I mean, and like you said, it was like less than a minute from like an hour game. It's four hour game. Like four hour game. Like like well, even even better. That's. That's you know not even uh, like uh, one percent of right. of it. And so they were giving they were giving the audience what they wanted. I mean, there were a lot of people watching that game to see Taylor Swift, so they gave you glimpses of her occasionally during the course of the game. And that's the reason they had this record number. That's the reason the NFL is is where it's at. So many eyeballs are on those TV screens, and you know the the, the, the tickets for that game cost like sixty seven seven thousand dollars a ticket, eight thousand dollars a ticket. They price the average fan out. So what you're doing is you're catering to the TV audience. And by sure. Taylor Swift on TV, you're giving them a lot of uh, the fan base what they want. And and uh, the thing is that, and I'm sure like what football is like, you know, trying to do is is like what WWE has like been doing for years is that. WWE like that was like very good at this, you know, getting like people like with like high, you know, capital like viewing the audience to bring them in. Like, um, they had Ashton Kutcher and Danny Masterson uh, like on once um, from like that '70s show. They had um, Donald like Donald Trump on there. They've had. I, I know I'm forgetting people, um, like, and, you know, but they, also, they had... They also have female wrestlers. Oh, they they do, but I'm just saying, like, people that is, like, that is, like, not in, like, in, like, wrestling, that they bring, like, to be on that, like, for, like, a point of time to, you know, to bring those, like, people in to, like, get eye, more eyeballs on the product, and I'm sure that's, like, what... Uh, the NFL is like doing with Taylor Swift That's here. That's what everybody's doing. That's what the NBA, the, the NHL, everybody is is trying to do, get in a, a larger fan base, more constituent constituencies yeah. involved in, in, in watching. And that's everybody's going to do what they can to attract eyeballs because that's where the money is. Yeah, I mean, 
Heck, um, love him or hate him, uh, Logan Paul, like, he's a very popular YouTuber. WWE, that, he's, uh, the current United States champion in WWE. And, but like you said, like, more eyeballs, like, means, uh, you know, more money. Like, that's what everybody's doing. I know one year for the NHL video game, they actually had, uh, Snoop Dogg <laughs> as, a, a guest, uh, commentator for, like, that, like, would populate like, 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 it would pop in every now and again in the game. He's got a big fan base, and that's that would attract them to that game and that in that particular hockey. Yeah, um, in which I thought, like, which I thought that was uh, pretty cool that they they did that. Um, I hope that they do that going forward. You know, like with with want, other people. Would you want? Would you want Taylor Swift? <laughs> Um, me personally, no. Who would you like? To, who would you like to see on as, as a guest commentator? Um, Kurt Angle. See, I'm trying to think like who would uh, be. Would you want a musician? Uh, they see of wrestlers. I probably would say maybe Chris Jericho. I know Chris Jericho is a a big uh, hockey fan as well. For well, he'd, be uh, he'd be a natural then. Like for a while that he uh he actually had a uh like that like sold like in WWF days a um like uh like his own hockey jersey. Like Y two J hockey jersey. I always wanted that jersey, but um I knew I wasn't going to get it. <laughs> they should have marketed it. Oh they they did like they did. I just knew I, I wasn't going to to get it. Like my dad would say, "No, nah, that's too much money." <laughs> it gets but, expensive. Uh, oh, it, it can't be. Being a fan can become expensive. But um, so one like one thing that I I heard about from a podcast I listened to, uh, Strictly Business, that I needed to like get your perspective on this. Uh, Disney, Warner Brothers, like Discovery, and Fox. Are collaborating together to make a uh, a sports uh, streaming app. Sure. Um, like what's going to be on it is uh, e like ESPN, ABC, ACCN, Fox, uh, Fox Sports, uh, like all the Fox Sports, right. be like Big Ten, TNT, TBS. It's going to have um, all the the stuff from like ESPN Plus. It's going to have NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, FIFA, uh, Formula One, March Madness, NASCAR, USC, and WNBA, as well as PGA Golf and Grand Slam. And um, it's not going to have um, soccer, though, MLS. It's not going to have that. And they did not uh, say that as of like today, they have not revealed the name of said app or like, confirmed like a price point. Oh, it's not going to be free. <laughs> I I wish, but they're, they're getting together because it's not going to be free. <laughs> I mean, this is again, it's like when the NFL put games on Peacock. You know, you're you're, you're spreading it out to different platforms, and it's it's all making money for the networks. They've got to recoup the investments they're making to buy these. The NFL package and the NBA package, the NHL package. Those, there's the networks spending a lot of money 
to buy the rights to broadcast those games. This is just another way to try to recoup some of that spending. Yeah. This is if, if, if this site actually gets launched, um, if you're a sports fan, you're going to want to get it. It the the rumor, um, like the the rumor, it's going to be launching in the fall of this year. Of so it it sounds like it like it's sport. been in the work for a while. Oh, I'm sure it has. And um, it the rumor is that it's going to be uh, fifty five dollars a month, like, but it, that has steep. not been confirmed. That's a little steep. Uh, unless you're gonna, you I guess they think you maybe you're gonna drop. ESPN and the different networks that you do buy. When you start, you know, I thought streaming was a great deal because it was cheaper than cable. But then over the years, you start adding Netflix and Paramount and Hallmark and the different channels, and it, 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 the cost continues to rise. I know, um, you know, growing up uh, in Detroit, you know, I always got to watch the local teams free. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, in Dallas, we have barely sports. In Detroit, there's barely sports. And you got to pay to watch the home, the, the local teams play. And yeah. I think that's where we're, we're headed. I think it's going to become, all sports are going to become pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. If you are, say, uh, a Lions um, fan, you're going to be able to buy a package to watch all the Lions games. And you won't get any other NFL team, but you'll be able to watch every Lions game each week. But it's yeah. going to cost you. It's not going to be a season ticket, but it's going to be a season ticket on television. And it's going to right. cost you. And I think every sport is going to hit. If you're in Detroit, there's going to be a package to watch Red Wing games and Lions games and Tiger games. It's all going to be expensive. They, oh, all absolutely. All these networks want to get that money that they're spending to buy the rights recouped. And, and they're going to charge you for it. And it's it's not going to be cheap. I mean, according to Forbes is that, you know... Um, that's exactly what they're trying to do is that because um, the networks are seeing a, more of a decline from people that is like cutting like cable, which cable is expensive in its own right. And, and at what point do you say like, you know what, it's cheaper to get cable? I mean, because you're not, not going to get the, the events that you want on cable. That that's true. That's, but, that's the point. But streaming is going to be where it's at. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything is going to go to like online, and and like and I agree with you. There's so many uh, like streaming services out there that I've talked on this podcast previously that they are even condensing uh, streaming services like um, like uh, Crunchyroll and and Funimation. Are like being rolled into like one app of like Crunchyroll, which is like an anime streaming service, because Sony owns both of those, so they're getting rid of Funimation. Um, like, I mean, Discovery did that with um, HBO Max and yeah. and Discovery. That eventually uh, Discovery is going away. Um, sure, Showtime did that with uh, Paramount. The so and something has got yeah that show thing got rolled into another app yeah and uh and there's rumors that Hulu is going away and it's like going to be like going into uh, Disney Plus and and I and honestly I think it's like great because there's just so much like streaming services out there I don't mind like a few of them you know going like going away too you know, because it, it saved it, some I money the the this new 
streaming service you're talking about, they're, they're, they're catering to the, 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 the sports addicted audience. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I wouldn't, you know, you talk about all those different leagues that are going to be involved, and half of those I don't, I have no interest in. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't want to pay $55 and, and not want to watch, you know, three quarters of the, of the sports they're putting on there. And that's why I think it's going to go to an individual streaming service with season tickets, season TV tickets for various teams. I don't need to watch all the baseball teams if I'm a Tiger fan or a Texas Ranger fan in Dallas. Yeah. So I just I'm just paying for to watch the Rangers. I don't need to watch everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that could be like one way to go to like make it like a little bit cheaper. Um, I honestly can see WWE going onto the streaming service. I um. Nobody is like talking about that, but I can I can see it because now that um, UFC and WWE is uh, one company, I can uh, see them like going to the streaming service like once. You mean partnering with the, with the big service that's going to have all these different sports? I I can see it, yeah, because since since it's on like one entity, I can like you know like since like UFC is on there, I can see WWE being on there because. That it's like the same like company, but maybe maybe they only want one wrestling uh, league in there because when you go to stadiums, like Pepsi will buy the rights to pour in different stadiums. If you if Pepsi is your sponsor, you can't have Coke in the building. Right. So you know a lot of times you you decide which one do you want. And the other one is, is cut out of the mix. I, I'd be surprised if you have competing leagues uh, on the same platform. Uh, it's it's not really. I mean, some people can like, like you know classify it as competing, but some like some people like me, it's not really competing because it's like at the end of the day, it's like two different entities. And that's who they're catering to the fan. Absolutely, and and um, but like I said. I can see it going on there. I'm not saying it will, but I can I can see it. But I can also see your point of view, like where like maybe they don't want WWE on there because like because that they already have USC and that makes sense too. Right. So either either way, I mean I'm just saying it could definitely be a possibility. But right now WWE has Peacock until from what I hear twenty twenty six. So it's not going to be anytime soon. Right, right. And, and like I said, everything we've we've uh, talked about as far as this, this massive streaming service is speculation. We we don't we don't know the specifics yet of of, of everything that's going to be on and what it's going to cost. Oh yeah. Um, now, like now, like like you said, the hardcore sports fan, they're going to want to get this app, absolutely, but. Um, the, but the casual fans, that is like where, where the money is at because there's so much more casual fans than there, than they are diehard. And they don't want all these sports. They don't want, want it. And they sure as heck is not going to pay, uh, $55 a month. Right. That, that's, if you throw the movie channel, Netflix, and the movie channel, Amazon Prime in there, it gets expensive. It gets expensive. That's one of the reasons I moved from cable to, to streaming because it, it was cheaper. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's as expensive, and it sounds like it could be more expensive with these big um, mega packages coming. Yeah, I mean, it's like they, it's like definitely intriguing. This like piqued my interest, and I'm going to keep an eye on this. No, um, mo like moving on to to NHL. Um, Vancouver is like uh, the number one team in the league. Number two is Boston. Number three is Florida. Four is the uh, Stars. Five is the Rangers. Six is my least favorite team ever, the Avalanche. Seven is the Winnipeg Jets. Eight is Vegas Golden Knights. Nine is Carolina Hurricanes. And ten is Philly. And, I mean, did you expect uh, um, Vancouver to uh, be doing this well? No. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. But let me say this. I'm happy that they are. I would like to see a Canadian team with the Stanley Cup. It, it, was, it was their sport. And it's been so long. You know, yeah. Toronto, I, mean, when I was a kid when Toronto last won a cup. Uh, Montreal is just kind of close. But uh, I, I think it's good for hockey when a Canadian team wins. You know, is, can, can Vancouver be that team? I don't know. That's the great thing about the hockey playoffs. You never know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and the, the lower seeds you know, can, can win a cup. And I remember back in the 60s, there was a six-team league, and four teams were involved in the playoffs. And the other leagues mocked them, saying, how can you let four teams in? You know, you got a best team, then you get these other three. Well, it was generating money. They are different rounds of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And now all the sports that mocked the NHL now have massive playoff platforms where they're letting all these teams in. It's it's all about the money. It's about broadcasting playoff games. You know, the, the playoff, in, in some of these sports, the playoff, like the NBA, the playoffs last long, as long as the regular season. And it's all premium dates for television, night games. And that's, one again, again, how they recruit some of the money they are for paying for these packages. I mean, I mean, the thing is that when you... When you do something different that like uh, out of the norm for so long, you're going to get criticism. Right. Um, like for instance, uh, one of the people that I love listening to, Eric Bischoff, like he ran uh, WCW, and and uh, like what gave him like a lot of success is that he did a lot of things like different. Like he was mocked like when they went to like when they did like a pay per view every year. Saying that, oh, that's that's not going to last, you know, because like the house shows is where it's at, the weekly house shows is where the money is at. Like he proved everybody wrong. To this day, WWE still does like twelve uh, pay like twelve pay per views a, a year. A lot of things that Eric like Eric Bischoff came up with, WWE eventually implemented themselves. They're all financially generated. It's all, it's all, it's, it's more money. It's free money. You know, when you put it on regular TV, you're, you're selling ads and sponsorships. But when you're putting it on pay-per-view, you're dipping directly into the pockets of your, of your fans. And it's all, it's all just generating money. That's whatever teams and leagues can do to generate money, they're going to do that. Absolutely. Um, one, like, here's a, 
like from like ESPN Plus, um, best uh, NHL goalies of twenty twenty four ranking by players and execs, um, and and just like what you said about like the like teams, like each. Like, no, like, two seasons are exactly the same. Like, different players are going to shine in different seasons. Uh, one of my favorite uh, goalies, Connor Hellebuck, is voted to be the number one goalie by players and execs this year. Uh, number two is Veseletsky. Three is um, Demko from Vancouver. Um, four is... Uh, Shaz Turkin, I can't say that name. Igor Shaturkin uh, from the Rangers, he's a very good goalie as well. Five is uh like Sorokin like from the Islanders. Where's Jake Ottinger? Like, number six uh, is Jake Ottinger. Too low. <laughs> um, seven is UC Soros, which. I kind of disagree with that because, like, he's not having that great of a year. Uh, eight is Jeremy Swayman like, from Boston. Nine is is Bobrovsky from Florida, and ten is is Ulmark like, from Boston. Now, a lot. How many, how many Boston goalies can I have in there? <laughs> Both they got two of the top ten in hockey. Apparently, yeah, these, according these, to these players and execs. You know, these are all subjective opinions. Absolutely, and it's like you you can pick your favorite. I can pick my favorite. It doesn't make either one of us right or wrong. Right. You know, it's it, your opinion. It's not, yeah, it's not exactly. Absolute. It's not fact. Right. It's not absolute. It's it's just an opinion, and this is just it's it, it's a nice opinion for middle of February to give you something to read. Exactly, but a lot you of people. You want to find the best goaltender? Find the, team, the guy that's holding up the Stanley Cup at the end of the year. That's the best goaltender. Absolutely, like, because at the end of the day, they're they're holding up the cup. Yep. Um, but a lot of people they they slept on uh, Umark when it comes like like when he was in Buffalo. When I was watching a Buffalo game a couple years ago, I go, "This guy is pretty good," he's, but he's no. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> He's like definitely not the dominator. We have a higher standard. <laughs> we've seen, we've seen, we know what greatness looks like. Oh yeah, and and the thing is, is that I remember watching, I was watching an interview, so with uh, like on NHL Network, and they were talking about uh, Dominic Hasek, um, like some of these players, and I forget who it was, but. This uh, one of the players that I uh, played with him pulled uh, Dominic aside and said, "Like, hey man, what's your secret? Like, you go, how are you stopping these shots?" And Dominic, like, too, he's like, shrug his shoulders, go, I don't know. I see puck, I stop puck. See puck. It's, it's, it's that, it, it is that simple. Too. You can complicate it all you want, but the bottom line is, see the puck, stop the puck. And uh, and the thing is about about Dominic. He was very hard to read. He was so unpredictable. He, he was unorthodox. He was very unorthodox. Um, heck, um, the only thing close that I've seen as uh, far as, like, like, you know, 
comparable to Dominic Hasek. And I'm not saying it as a far as like skill level, but more of style. Pe- like uh, Pecorine. He definitely had that same style as as Dominic Hasek. I remember like one year that like that um I was watching one of the Preza games in in uh Re- Rene like made like a big save and that but the uh, opposing player actually had it. Rene was actually lying on the ground with like a practically a wide open net. The player had him dead right. Like shot him like shot above uh, Rene. Like if you blink, you would have missed it. Like he did this like crazy, like uh like maneuver on the ground. Stick his like pad up in the air and stop the puck like from going in. And I go, that is like a Dominic Hatchik style right there. But you see those every night. You'll see incredible, any night of hockey, you're going to see an incredible save. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm not saying by any means that Pecorine was as good as, like, Dominic Hatchik. I hope like, not. He's, he's like, like, Dominic Hatchik is out of the league of his own. But I'm just saying, as far as, like, the style uh, goes, sure. Re, like, Rene was a lot, like, Dominic, and as far as style goes, sure. Rene was very unorthodox too. Unorthodox is a key word. Yeah. Um, now, what to, like, what team like, would you like to see win like the the Stanley Cup? I mean, personally, I would like to see Calgary because Cal like heck, I wasn't even born when Calgary won theirs. They won it like back in '89, so I wasn't even born yet when when they won. I I, I wouldn't have a problem. I, I want to see a Canadian team win. I want Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal. Just give me can we? It's their sport. It's their sport, and I think I've seen enough warm weather teams win the cup, and I think it's a cold weather sport. Let one of the cold weather teams win it. Right. All right. Um. Let like let's get into some some uh, questions here. Okay. Let me pull it up here. Bear like bear with me, folks. So Renee has a few questions up for you. One of like one of which is. Let me shoot. I am so sorry, folks. Bear with me here. I gotta get the get her text up. She actually has a a question that one more question on there. Like she she would like to know: Have you ever met the bus, like Jeremy Bettis? Oh yeah. Yeah, I spent a lot of time, when I was covering the NFL for 20 years, I would go around and cover the best game each weekend that didn't involve the Cowboys. And during the night, I spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. You know, Bill Collar was the coach, and he was a friend of mine, so I made sure I got to do most training camps. And Bettis was a fellow Detroiter. So, yeah, we talked, and, uh, you know, I'm on the committee that voted him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I've talked to Bettis uh, numerous times, numerous times. What like what's your uh like what she would also like to know what um 
Like, what is, like, what is he, like... Like, because uh, Bettis is uh, her favorite player of all time. Gregarious. Very, he's just a happy guy. He's, he's, he's very enthusiastic and exciting. And I remember one uh, great story when they, when the Steelers went to the Super Bowl and they played in Detroit. And Bettis, of course, is from Detroit. And when the teams went out on the field to start the game, Bettis is leading the team and everybody else held back. So the only guy running out of the field is Jerome Bettis, and the crowd went wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just, his teammates loved him. He was just a, a, a blue collar pounder, you know, inside runner. Uh, great player, Hall of Fame player, and a Hall of Fame person. Uh, another thing she wants to know is how was like, your take in the whole like Super Bowl? With Travis, like, hell, screaming at his coach, should I read? Like, would you have benched him? I probably would have. You can't have that. You can't, you can't have, it's in the heat of the game. You can't have the coach, the players challenging the coaches during the game. You want to do that on Monday, that's fine. But to get in his face and screaming at him and, and actually bump him, I, I would have said, get him out of here. Yeah, he's a key player in the team. I would, I would, I would have sat him down for a series, or I would have done something to let him know that you can't do that, because you can't do that. You know, such a bad look for Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs. You can't, you can't have that. You, you know, the it's the coach's team. It's not Travis Kelsey's team, and you can't right. challenge him like that. If you want to do it in private, you want to do it at halftime, behind closed doors. But you don't do That's a fair game at that, that point. Yeah, uh, you can't do it in a sign in front of a national TV audience and, and 80,000 people in the stands. That was that was a, such a bad look for Travis Kelsey. It, and I think he's, he's a great player. But that was a bad look, a very bad look. Yeah, I mean... And I'm sure he regretted it. I, I'm not sure either. I mean, like a lot of these like young players, like they, they have uh, an ego of the size of Texas. Yeah, and... The other thing that drives me nuts is that every after every play there's a celebration. Somebody is celebrating something, whether the <laughs> catch or the tackle or whatever. You got, a guy makes an eight-yard run, they tackle him, and the guy the defender jumps up, he starts stumping his chest. He just got an eight-yard run. There's no reason to celebrate. But every after every play there's a celebration. Uh, I mean it. It's just uh, like insane, you know. Like, uh, and and I agree with you. I mean, like if you. If you want to celebrate, celebrate like when like when you win the game, because yeah, but it, the, the whole it the, the whole event is a celebration. Like in baseball, every player now has walk up music. They play music, his music as he walks up to the plate to the bat. And now after in, in hockey, after every goal, the the players got his you know his means of celebration, whatever. And once upon a time, when when you scored a goal in hockey back when I was playing. You threw your hands up, you held a stick up, you know, everybody put their hands up. Now they're, they're doing all kinds of gymnastics, you know, celebrating the goals. I mean, that, that just like, goes back to what we were saying, that how, like, sports has, like, changed, like, so much. And let's see, one more question that she has is, what is one moment, like, one memory you will never forget being in, like, in the sports world? You know, there are so many of them. I'll give you a, a hockey moment. Uh, the, the first year that the Islanders made the playoffs, 
and the Ellensburg expansion team, they're playing the Rangers in a best of three. And the series was, series was tied 1-1, and game three was going to be in Madison Square Garden. And the game went overtime. And the Islanders scored nine seconds in overtime to eliminate the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. And the building went silent and cleared out. And it was such a huge win for the Islanders. That was kind of the tip-off that something special was coming ahead. And that was, before, you know, they went on to win all those cups, those four, four straight cups. But that was a great moment. Uh, Super Bowls, you know, watching the Giants upset the 17-0 New England Patriots. And that was a, a, a colossal upset. Um, the first sporting event I ever covered professionally was the 1971 baseball all-star game. I was a student newspaper, I was a student sports editor at the Michigan State newspaper, and I replied for a credential on a lark. I got a credential. I was at the game, and I, I, was, uh, I, I was at the game where all the Hall of Fame, Reggie Jackson hit the light tower with his towering home run, and there were like eight home runs, they were all by Hall of Famers, Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente and, and Johnny Bench, and everybody was hitting home runs. It was a high-scoring game, and it was that was a thrill. And that was the first of several, of many, many major events I covered in my life, and that still ranks in the top ten of the events I ever covered, and that was the first one. You know, I covered, I've covered, I covered the Olympic basketball in 1976, and that was exciting. That was um, Dean Smith. Phil Ford, um, Adrian Dantley, that was a great team, won the gold medal. Uh, I covered the 85 when Kansas City Royals won the World Series. I covered that team. And I covered the 1980 when George Brett hit almost 400. I've been blessed. I've, I've covered a lot. To, in, in college basketball, I covered the upset uh, at the pit when North Carolina State upset by Slamma Jamma. Houston mm. next year, I covered Villanova beating uh, Georgetown, another major upset. I have. I've had I've had quite a few um, memorable moments uh, as a sports writer. Well, you kind of answered um, like one of the questions that this um, this person on X uh, asked you. Um, he has like three questions for you. Okay. Uh, number one is memories on being a reporter for the NBA. For like, like number two is what was like the best uh, Super Bowl you ever saw live and. Number three is uh, your reaction on on being nominated and getting the uh, the um, McCann Memorial Award. So you kind of like well, like covered number me, two. Let me go to the first one. Uh, I, I covered the NBA. I covered some playoff games when I was in New York with the Knicks. But when I was in Kansas City, I covered the Kansas City Kings during their run. And I remember that they were playing in Municipal Auditorium, and I covered the game. The first time a backboard was shattered, Daryl Jawkins, chocolate thunder, filled <laughs> wow. up the seven and no one had ever seen the backboard explode with a dunk. And the glass that we were sitting on press row on the court side, and the grass, and the, the glass from the backboard slid all over the floor. And there was ever the broken pieces of the backboard glass in front of me in my seat, but uh, seeing the first shattered backboard. <laughs> was an NBA highlight for me. Wow, I mean, I, that's like really impressive. You know, they got to like, see like history in the in the making in person. There have been several broken since then, but they, you you only have one first. And and, and uh, they and you can like that can actually say that that's yeah. that's really impressive. I think we touched on the events that I've seen in the, the McCann Award. Yeah, it was very flattering to be to be 
recognized by your peers as, as someone special, someone who had an impact uh, as a writer in, in, the, in that particular sport. It was very flattering. And it was, was fun because I went in in that class of uh, 2004 with um, John Elway and Barry Sanders. It was a good class to be in. Oh, I, oh absolutely. I mean... Like I've said it before once on this podcast, like on this particular one, I'll say it again. I'm not um, a big into football, but I do know some names. And being with like Elway and and Sanders, pretty good. They're pretty. They're pretty good. <laughs> you you can't you can't get any better than that. No, you're talking about two of the. When they picked the Centennial team, those guys were there. You're talking about two of the greatest players that, in, in, that ever played the game. I, I, I still think Barry, Barry Sanders and Jim Brown are the two best running backs I've ever seen. Barry, Barry Sanders and John Wachowski have a unique unorthodox style. Barry Sanders, there has never been a back like Barry Sanders, and there never will be another back like Barry Sanders. Some of the moves he made, you, 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 other backs would break their ankles with some of his moves. Um, <laughs> but he was special. Uh, I always liked Barry. And Barry was a class act. He never spiked the ball. When he scored a touchdown, gave it to the referee. It goes back to what Jim Brown said. Act like you've been there before. Barry Sanders has been there before. He was going to be there again. Well, thank you like so much for your time. Like, it's like, been an honor to have having you on the podcast. Matt, it's been my pleasure. And uh, one thing I will say is you you never know about like this uh, world, like, world, you know, like... People would get their panties up and wide over like the smallest things, but just so you know that you always have a platform to like speak, like speak your mind, like here, like and I just I want to let you know that that you always have a home on on this podcast. Appreciate that. Thank you. So like again, thank you so much for your time. Like it's so like gracious of you to give me um like some of your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, and until next time, guys, stay awesome.